Hello, this is your host, Taylor Outwell, and, uh... This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 81. Joining me again from the wonderful land of Down Under, everybody's favorite Australian, Mr. Michael Dorinda. Crikey! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those stereotypical Aussie (laughs) slang phrases. They just, you know... They never get old, do they? They well, just never I mean, do. There was such a big build up to coming from the land down under. I thought I would be authentic with it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Chugging a Foster's, saying crikey. You've got an alligator tooth necklace on. Yeah. I mean, you just fit the mold perfectly. You should see my knife. <laughs> you even say knife like uh, like Crocodile Dundee. Knife. 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 That's, knife. Not a, that's not a knife. Look at, the, look at the size of that knife. That was bad. Hey everybody! Seriously though, thanks for thanks for coming on, uh, checking out the show. We've got a couple things here today to cover. We've got five point eight point nine, five point eight point ten, five point eight point eleven. We've got three different packages, a couple blog posts, uh, a couple other things, including a book to talk about. So we're gonna jump right into it. And maybe Mike will include some of our pre-show ramblings about hydro flasks. If you don't have one, they're amazing. Um, and we right now have, I think I have five sitting on my table and one sitting on the counter next to me. So we are a hydro flask family now. So uh, yeah, that's a little tidbit nice. extra there. Uh, we've got, uh, not the hydro, well, I've got a big two liter Stanley one, which keeps my beverages cool at work. But I've, my one of the wife bought I think they're Cogito or something like that, travel mugs, and they keep my okay. coffee hot for like six hours, which is great because I can yeah. make the coffee before I leave the house, go to the gym, and then it's still hot on the way to work. So that's handy. See, like the problem for me is like I'm always constantly like scalding my mouth on those things. Like it's like it takes forever to cool off. And so by the time it's cooled off, I've actually forgotten about it and it actually cools off all the way. I don't know. Well, just it's, leave it's the lid off it's, and let it get to a drinkable temperature before you seal it up. Put the lid back on. Okay. 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 Got it. Okay. Uh, little tip, little tip for Stanley mugs. If you're ever needing to use something hot, fill it with hot water first before you put your hot beverage in there. And that will heat up the metal inside and it'll actually hold temperature for even longer mm-hmm. so that the, the hot beverage that you're going to pour in there to actually keep hot won't have to you know, use its energy to heat up the inside of the bottle. Yeah. Nice little tip I picked up from a friend. Yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. There you go. Do you tip I, that I water out first? Well. You tip the water and then you tip the water and then put your hot beverage or soup or whatever in there. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you just fill it up with really hot water and then you pour that out and then you put your beverage in there. So it's already hot when you put it in. Yeah. Keeps, nice. This keeps hot for. What a waste of water. Yeah. <laughs> what a waste of. It's true. <laughs> that is very true. I don't even think about that. Of course, that's like after you let the tap run for like five minutes, getting scalding hot, right? Yep. So it's yep. even the worst waste of water. Shame on you. Don't do that. Shame people. on you, Jake. Don't listen to Jake. Don't, don't, forget that. Don't do that. Don't do what I just said. Oh my. Okay. So let's jump right into it. Laravel 5.8.9. 
Event auto discovery. How good is event auto discovery? Yeah, so this is really interesting. So I saw Taylor had been kind of tweeting about this for a while, right? Uh, but he introduced this in this PR, and there was some good discussion around it in PR number 28064. 28,064. Can you imagine having it's a crazy. project with that many pull requests? That's I can't insane. imagine having to deal with that many, no. No, yeah. So the good news is this is not a breaking change, correct? Tell me why this is not a breaking change, Mr. Dorinda. So the way this has been implemented is by placing a should discover events method into the base event service provider. And by default, this method returns true. So within the scaffolding of your Laravel application, it will call if this should discover events and then do the automatic discovery. And if it's false, it will just keep doing the, the thing that it does now, which is to look at the array of events in your event service provider. So it's an opt-in thing if you want to have the framework automatically discover events for you. You should just implement this method in your application event service provider and have it return true. And then what mm -hmm. it will do is it will look by default and by Laravel convention in the listeners directory and it'll find all of those listeners and it'll look at each of those listeners handle methods or methods that begin with the word handle and it will inspect using reflection the, the parameters and then go and find the events and then it will build up an array in this in a similar way that you would have to do manually currently, um, and then it will cache that so that um, you know that's it doesn't have to keep doing that each time you um, spin up or visit a page in your application to to speed things up. So there is a new artisan event cache command which you should put into your um, deployment script when you are deploying an application using event auto discovery to production to make sure that everything keeps running nice and smoothly and quickly. Yep. 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 And, um, this is one of those ones that could bite you, right? If you didn't, if you weren't aware of it, um, this is like one of those things where I use when I use config cache and it kind of caches all my mm -hmm. ENV values. And then I like swap out an ENV value and I'm like, why is this not working? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's right. Config cache. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, this is the same thing, right? Event cache command. Um, so you want to make sure you get that going. And then I think as I'm trying to think through this, um, you'd probably want to restart your like you'd probably want to like horizon terminate or restart your queue workers or whatever after you had done that cache, I would suppose your event cache. Um, so for all of our listeners, Michael just left the call. So I get some uh, solo airtime here. So that's that's just fine with me. Um, speaking of this, this event. Um, auto discovery. Uh, Taylor talked about this uh, sort of, I can't say at length really, because most of these podcasts that he do, that he does, <laughs> most of these podcasts that he do, sorry, that he does are actually rather short. So the Laravel snippet number 10 uh, is the one where he talks about this. In addition to this new feature, the uh, there is also one change that I thought was relevant to mention, which is that the update forever cache duration for the database driver uh, was changed from minutes to seconds. So you may recall in a recent release, uh, we did the same thing uh, with all cache stuff where they changed the uh, value that's being passed in as a second argument from uh, minutes two seconds and so this it's all except for this one place so now it's it's consistent across the across the board if you're using uh, the database for caching uh, the forever cache duration has been moved from minutes two seconds as well okay so that's 5.8.9 we're going to be taking a look at 5.8.10 now so this is a pretty minor release really it looks like there is 
a method which you may or may not have been aware of, uh, which is called replicate. So if you go look up a model, uh, let's say you say post find one, and then you call replicate on that, it will in, uh, replicate that, of course, uh, with all of the data except for the primary key, which would be like your ID or something like that. It would just um, obviously take the next one available. But uh, up until this point, that has never fired an event, uh, and now it will. So the replicating event is added for when you want to make a copy of a model. Uh, in addition to that, it looks like the notification fake is now macroable as well. So add that to the list of macroable things. There's more and more every pull request, it seems like somebody like finds a reason to make something macroable that's not. And so they introduce a pull request to do so. And it looks like that happened again. So um, yeah, a couple other minor things there for 5.8.10 change log. You can, of course, read through all of those in the show notes. Five point eight point eleven. Mr. Yes. Dorinda is back. He is back. Speaking of uh, classes and pull requests that have the macroball trait attached to them, in five point eight point eleven, the date facade now allows you to call date macros directly on it. So there you go. Keeps happening. Keeps happening. The other thing that was introduced in this release was a configurable lock on the local file system adapter. So this was previously hard-coded to using an exclusive write lock, whereas now it will be configurable so you can do a, a shared read lock or as well if that is what you need to do in your application. And lastly, the scheduler event class now has a public exit code property which allows you to track the exit status code of a scheduled command. So if you wanted to, say, fire some event, if you wanted to report to Sentry, for example, when a scheduled task fails to run, you can now hook into that public exit code property and and do what you need to do there yep yep i think that's all of them then again there's a couple minor things minor other things uh but looks like that was that was all the highlights from the last three updates so that was pretty quick not too bad yeah um kind of one of the things we'll talk about in in addition to we kind of had that replicate method that we talked about in 5.8.10 uh, one of the things that we have on our list to talk about today is this eloquent cloner package. So why don't we kind of jump into that uh, real quick here. So uh, what this is, is a trait for your Laravel eloquent models that lets you clone a model, but not only that, it also clones any of its relationships, including files, and it can even replicate that or move that clone that over to another database. Uh, so it looks like, <clears throat> excuse me, all you have to do is add the trait, which is the clonable trait to your model. And then the way that you clone a model is you, again, find article first or post first or post find one, and then you just call duplicate on it, and it will go ahead and duplicate that. You also have an option to say duplicate to, and then provide the name of a different database, uh, and it will it will do that. Of course, there is more advanced kind of functionality inside uh, the docs. We will let you take a look at that, uh, but I thought this was pretty interesting and worth a mention. Yeah, being able to... Being able to duplicate to another production is handy as well, especially if you're like archiving things. You could duplicate a record into an archive table before that's doing really whatever cleanup that, or yeah. deletion or whatever you need to do. So that's uh, that sounds like a handy thing if that is something that you need to do. Yeah, usually what we're doing when we duplicate stuff over is we're actually, I suppose, I don't think you could fairly call it a duplicate. We're more, what we do is we have some sort of user personal identifiable information or as you may call it in the security world, PI. PII. I don't even know if it's in the security world. If it's just in the world in general, you'd call it PI, I suppose. And so what we do is after we have claims that come into our system, they get loaded into our 
other system. And so I think three days later, we redact all sensitive information. So any sort of thing that could be used, like so phone number, even I think address, those sorts of things, any of those items get redacted from the, mm-hmm. from the file. And then seven days after that, we take just the sort of metadata pieces that we're interested in. What was the client ID? What was the client code? What date did we pull it in on? When was it finished? When was it exported? Uh, were there any documents for this claim? And then we just take those pieces and put those into, you know, we, we basically redact it again and just take that last Mm-hmm. those last pieces of metadata for any reporting and strip off everything, just delete it completely from the database. So I don't think you could really call that duplicating, replicating, but it is sort of like a backup mm-hmm. process. Completely beside the point, really nothing to do with anything <laughs> that we're talking about here, but, yeah. you know, figured to mention it. Why not? Nice. Okay, we've also, we've also got this Laravel Blade Filters package. Why don't you talk to us about that a little bit here? So Blade Filters is a package by Gergo D. Nagy. That adds the concept of filters to your Blade templates, which is if you're familiar with Django's templating system or Symfony's Twig templating language, basically you can take a variable or a string or whatever and you can put a pipe character next to it and then you can attack on these filters. So, for example, if you wanted to take a name and you weren't sure if it was uh, like cased properly, so capital first letter, lowercase for the rest of the the name, you could do something like a string to lower UC um, first and it will, you know, take the string, it'll make it all lowercase, and then um, uppercase the first letter. So for Jake, it would take the J, make it uppercase, and make the rest of it ache, basically, lowercase. Right. Yep, yep. So uh, this is kind of a handy way if you wanted to do those kind of manipulations inside your view rather than in your uh, controllers. If you want to, yeah. you know, make it explicit within the view what's happening there, maybe you've got... Um, someone that's not a developer, maybe you've got designers that is building out the the blade templates, for example. This is probably a little bit that's a nicer case, for yeah. them than than having them, you know, dig around in controllers and and in PHP directly. So, if that's something that you're interested in or something you need access to, definitely check out the link for that in the show notes. Yeah, this is sort of the, you have these available to you in View as well. Uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of the only thing I'm really familiar with where I've used these before. Uh, but they do become really helpful, especially like with things like currency. Yeah. Um, so like you could say like pipe dollars or pipe cents or pipe, you know, current, you know, whatever, whatever you could, however you wanted to do that. But there's so many different ways that you want to display currency or even dates, I suppose, Yeah. where like you could have your own little tiny macros or whatever i suppose to kind of chain these filters on and i thought that was a really interesting use case you just you said there was just like if you have different people building out your front end than are building out your back end it, it really instead of like having to go back to the back end team and say hey we need it mm-hmm. this way and then the back end team okay yeah we're done go ahead and front end team you can use it right this is a great way to yeah. kind of um shorten that feedback right or or just eliminate it altogether you don't need it they can yeah. just kind of handle yeah. the data that way and i mean you can pass parameters to these things as well so for example, date formatting, you could have your application users store a preference that they want to have their date stored in a specific way. Ooh, and then you can pass those values into the filters. Yeah, I like that too. Hmm. And then I think eventually maybe, I don't know. So like there's this idea of like view presenters, right? So um, David Hemphill, I, th- I think you use that quite a bit, don't you? David Hemphill's presenter yeah. class. Yeah. yeah. It's really nice. Uh, basically where you say, I have this object that I'm pulling out, but like in this view, I have a couple of pieces that kind of go along with this. Like, so, you know, maybe if I'm displaying a list of transactions, I want to know how many there are total, which is like, there's 50, but how many do I want to actually display on this particular page? Only six. 
Okay, and then I need to also know, hey, do I have more than six? Like maybe I just wanna have a nice little property that says if it has more than max allowed or whatever, right? And all those sorts of pieces of logic that are kind of going along with that that set of data. Uh, you could use a presenter for that, mm-hmm. view presenter, and that would kind of eliminate your need for these. But again, that's like more of like a back-end concern, not so much like a, a front-end thing. It's yeah. a way to clean it up, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what else do we have? Well, it looks like we've got the top 10 or maybe not even top 10. It just says the 10 best Laravel podcasts. I'm interested to look at this one. This one was compiled by our good friend and what's a good name for him? Our good friend. And, um, I'm trying to think of what, what's the word for like, it's not like parent later. No, sorry. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to miss it here. Like there's a, there's a word I'm looking for. Progenator. (laughs) Okay. What's the word? Yep. That was, that was the word. Hey dude, I've been reading too many like fantasy fiction books recently. So like some of these words you ever like, you're like reading in the Kindle and like, you just want to like, you see a word. This happens to me all the time. And I just highlight the word and figure out what it means. And every time I've got to do it. Like if there's a word, I don't know what it means. I've got to look up the definition. No, so I just probably just right one of those it. weird ones that stuck in my head. Progenitor. I just, I just plow right through. I don't look those words up. Like for the longest time, I didn't know how to pronounce awry properly. And I didn't really know what it meant. And I just used the reader as Ori and just kept going. <laughs> don't care. It's just the word getting in the way to the end of the sentence. That's hilarious. I guess you probably picked it up by context clues, kind of like what it means, right? Like you don't yeah. really have to yeah, know yeah. the actual you definition. You can meaning. kind of figure yeah. out what it means just by the words yeah. surrounding it. But And there's a lot of stuff like that. No. You know, when, especially when you're like reading and you've only seen a word reading it and then you say it out loud for the first time in the way that you think it's to be pronounced and then everyone kind of looks at you like, what? <laughs> like this one? Yeah. Like this one I just said. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, okay, seriously? Yes. Yeah. But that's actually like, that's like, that is literally the word that fits this perfectly. Progenitor. A person or thing from which something descends or originates, an ancestor or parent. His sons and daughters were the progenitors of many of Scotland's leading noble families. A person who originates an artistic, political, or intellectual movement. Yeah. That's Eric Barnes. Okay. That's who that all is. All right. I'll allow it. All right, all right, all right. Thanks for the English so teacher. Wrote this, English lesson, math teacher. Yes, that's right. So he wrote this one uh, up, and let's see what is number one. What is number one on the list here? You think maybe he's uh, a little bit biased in his choice? I I don't. I honestly don't. I really don't. I think he's probably just picking the absolute best Laravel podcast. And oddly enough, it's this podcast you're listening <laughs> to right now. Congratulations, you have wonderful taste in podcast listening choice the laravel news podcast Uh, but yes to be honest of course he's a little bit biased so (laughs) yeah there's that uh he's got the laravel snippet which we just talked about a couple minutes ago while michael got kicked off the call um this is uh actually relatively new by taylor Mm -hmm. Otwell. each week he gives everyone a behind the scenes look at what's happening with the framework and what he's working on um what number is he up to 12 i think he just put out 11 yeah just put out episode 11 on friday so okay yeah, so it happens every Friday usually, right? Yeah. That's kind of how he does that. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice. And I think somebody said something about this recently. They're like, there's no music. There's Oh, it was Justin Jackson. Yeah. There's no music. There's no... It's just like jump right in. Like yes. it just opens with Taylor saying, hey, this is Taylor. There's Laravel stuff. It's like, uh, we'd call it AM radio. I guess you'd call it talkback radio. He like just... The red light goes on. He's on air and he's just straight into it. Yep. Hello, this is your host, Taylor Atwell. And uh, 
<laughs> that's, that's not a good imitation of Taylor. Well, that's it's more not, like a. Uh, but that's you know, definitely those... going at the front of this episode for everyone to hear before anything else. Oh my gosh! Uh, but that's what I was trying to imitate is like those late night talk shows on the yeah. radio where it's like yeah. the guy comes on and he's talking like this and the dulcet tones gonna, of Taylor Rotwell live a, from uh, Arkansas. Some soft jazz played by Smoke Jeffrey Robinson. Way. Yeah. Okay. Um, so after that is the Laravel podcast. So this is in season three now. Uh, Matt Stauffer interviews developers within the community. Pretty cool. Pretty cool uh, podcast. They're really well done. Love the music. The Laracast's Snippet, which is the podcasting home of Jeffrey Way. Again, pretty short. Covers a vast array of topics uh, that typically in the end will circle back to development. Uh, not always. Uh, but Jeffrey is, of course, very entertaining to listen to. I love Jeffrey Way. He's yeah. just the man. Full Stack Radio, one of my top favorites, to be sure. Actually, how I met Adam. I recognized him because I had been working on some Titan stuff. I was at my second Laracon, and he's like, oh, yeah, do you guys listen to Full Stack Radio? I was like, I had no idea what that is. And I started listening to it, and I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> um, it's an interview-style show. He brings down other developers in the business, and uh, he's super he, – I feel like he's always crazy prepared. Mm-hmm. His questions are always super insightful, and he, I don't know, man, he's just got a brain like very few yeah. other people I know. Like, yeah. it's just unbelievable. That man is next the level. That, he is. He absolutely is. He's, he's elite. Dads and Dev, uh, this is one of our sister brother podcasts, right? David Hemphill, Andrew Del Preti, they've been uh, talking about dad stuff and dad jokes since about 2016. Mm-hmm. It's a good listen. These guys are just funny. Our other podcast, North Meets South, made the list. If you don't listen to that, we'll go ahead and take a trip over to North Meets South and uh, hit that subscribe button. That's so how it's, off, it's more fun. Ranting. It's more casual, less news mm-hmm. stuff. No Plans to Merge is the other one. So it's a brand new podcast by Caleb and Daniel where they talk about real life code. This was kind of their branch off of 20% time. I love it as well. This is, again, these guys, these guys are next level too. They yeah. really are. Like Caleb and Daniel both. Oh my word. So much respect for these guys. They're, and the thing is, they're incredibly like young and yeah. experienced and smart. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's a crazy combo. I don't combo, know what it is. These guys are and awesome. The two of them, they just go off on these tangents that I wouldn't even think of. And they make me think. And I'm not sure that I like it. I just like to use the shotgun approach and um, just go with whatever comes to mind first. But they sit there and they think about why would I do this? And is there a better way of doing this? And And maybe because it's, Maybe it's because they're young. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe they're like willing to question everything, right? Yeah, which was definitely not me. I just, no. yep, I'll just do this. Get the crap That's done. Yep. Yeah. We've also got Lair Chat Live. Sean Mays hosts this and mm-hmm. uh, he joins other community members to discuss development and life. The 5-Minute Geek Show, Matt Stauffer. Has he done this in a while? I haven't been listening to 5-Minute Geek Show for yeah, a while. Yeah, he put an episode out a few days ago and I think he's okay. looking to kind of like rebrand that as well. Because he always feels bad when the five minute geek show goes for longer than five minutes, and he's yep. trying to figure out if he can do something that's a little bit different, that's a little bit more long form. If you have any thoughts on that, if you listen to it and you missed this most recent episode, check it out, and then definitely let him know that you want him to continue doing a podcast in some way or another. Yeah, he's always fun to listen to. Uh, bonus podcast: Laravel Portugal Live and Laravel Newbie are two others that are kind of listed. I know that's a lot, so. Uh, take your pick from those, and um, we wish you well in listening to lots of other great content. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Laravel we have got this 
Search string. Yeah, this is pretty cool. You talked. We I looked at this and I didn't really have a good idea for what this was going to be used for, but you mm-hmm. had a good example of where this could be used. So maybe you could talk yeah. a little bit about what it is and how we might use it. Laravel search string is a package by Loris Laver that generates database queries based on one unique string using a simple and customizable syntax. So if there's a there's a screenshot in the article here, but if you think to GitHub, for example, when you are searching through issues or pull requests, where in the search bar, you would have something like is colon issue, is colon open, and then I guess author colon Michael Dorinda, right? So that would find all of the open issues that were authored by me. Um, so it's, it's, it's straightforward. It means that you can get the kind of information you want out of the database in sort of a more approachable string. So the example they've gotten here is you would search for John or age greater than 30 sort colon minus created at limit colon four. So basically find me any records in the database where they contain the name John or the age column is greater than 30, sort it by created at descending and give me the four most recent results. And all you would do is take that string and you would pass it into a method that is exposed by the package called using search string and just throw it straight in there. So for example, if you had title colon, my blog or not published sort colon minus created at, gosh, I regret doing this as soon as I started. You you would have, (laughs) it would be equivalent to the query builder article colon colon where title comma my blog or where published comma false or to buy created at descending. So, you know, if you're wanting to add this kind of functionality into your interface to allow people to kind of arbitrarily search the database for things. Um, this is a nice way of going about it as opposed to having like in one application that I built recently for filtering like 15 different drop downs and inputs and things like that. This is probably a little bit nicer. Yeah. I was thinking the other place where I've probably seen this before is Gmail, right? So Gmail yeah. has a similar sort of yeah, deal same kind with of thing. that. And it's yeah. intuitive, so right? It, it is intuitive once you know it. Right. So non-developer person is not going to know that the word limit means anything. Right. Sure. They, they honestly probably sort. They don't know that either. They yeah. order or maybe I don't know. Greater than maybe they don't know. They don't know that that angle bracket means greater than. Right. Yeah. So what I feel like here, I, I, I do agree that this is super useful, especially for people who are in the world that we live in. I feel like what you might need in this case is an interface to expose some of this. So you know, the reason why this is so nice is because it really does knock down a lot of what you have to build as an interface to provide the user all these different options. So what ends up happening before, right, is you say like, hey, add a filter or whatever, and you do it and you now have like a bar across that says you have an age greater than 30. And then the next one you say add a new fit and it has another bar across that says where the created at is whatever. And you have another bar that says order by whatever. And so then they have to subtract. So what I think you could almost do is you could almost provide like an interface that would say, Hey, what is it that you're looking for? And then what you could do is this allows you to kind of educate the user. You would just populate that that field now mm-hmm. that kind of has this string. And they're like, oh, that's how I do that. Like, I don't even have to do that next time. I can just start typing it in, right? Yeah. So there's some interesting ways you could do that. I'm sp- I suppose you could probably also do like autocomplete on like columns that are available or something. But yeah. in any case, this is a really, really interesting package. And I can see a lot of use cases for this. So pretty interesting. Yeah. So thanks, Loris. Really appreciate that. Good good work. Speaking of uh, useful packages, Laravel Craftsman CLI 
is a command line interface for easily crafting Laravel assets for any project, which is kind of like Artisan Make on steroids, written by Mike Erickson. Yeah. The project relies on Laravel Zero, which is by Nuno Madura, and provides a suite of project agnostic command line tools that you can install globally. So you'd install Laravel Craftsman into your composer's global dependencies, and then you could reference it by using the Laravel-Craftsman command name. And then you can do a whole bunch of useful generator type stuff using this. So essentially with Laravel, you can do like a, a make migration or a make model or a make controller, or you can do make migration and you can give it the parameter or make model, sorry, you know, make model post dash M, which will create the migration and dash C, which will create the controller for you. Laravel Craftsman will do a whole bunch of other things as well. Um, it'll create the model. It'll allow you to create the migration. You can pass a, a list of fields so that it will, you know, fill out the migration for you. If you've been using Laravel for a little while, you'd know that this used to be in Laravel natively. It was then in a generators package from Jeffrey Way. Uh, so this is like another iteration of this. But you can pass a, a rows switch, which will allow you to create um, a factory that will spin up a number of records using you know the field definition that you gave it you can have it extend a specific block or section so it'll generate or it'll scaffold out some crud views for you as well so if you create create read update delete views and you can even tell it to overwrite existing files in your application if you've made a mistake and you want to start again so it's a good way to scaffold out things you can do everything so it'll do the post the model the migrations and all that kind of stuff or you can have it specifically create a class or a controller or a factory or a migration or a model or a seed or views. Um, and you can say like extend from Dude. my base layout so that, you know, it will have the extend, at extends in there and then it will populate. I don't know how much it goes into scaffolding of the view itself. Um, I haven't, I haven't used it and it's not clear from the readme, but um, it will certainly create all of those files for you and give you a good starting point and a consistent starting point for each of those resources in your application. So um, you don't have to worry about copy pasting or, or using snippets or anything like that. Um, and this, as I said, because it's project agnostic, you can use it across any of your Laravel applications from the command line. Very cool. Uh, I think these are super helpful, especially when you're starting like a greenfield project. Yep. And you need to kind of get a bunch of those things scaffolded really quickly. So maybe you're doing TDD and it's like, I mean, so one benefit to using TDD when you're doing these sorts of things is it actually tells you exactly what you need when you need it. So like when you're writing out the test, it says like, hey, you don't actually have a table for that mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, like what fields do I need? So you determine that. And then it's like, hey, you don't have a route. Okay, define a route. You don't have a controller. Define the controller. You don't have a model. Define the model, right? So it does all that. But kind of, you know, if you know you're going to need all these things anyway, sometimes it's nice to just say, hey, I need a brand new thing. Yeah whatever, right? Now, if you're in a project that's been in existence for a long time, it's probably a lot less likely that you're going to need something yeah. like this or that or that you're going to pull it in, right? Because you may use it in a very rare, like kind of on an occasion, mm -hmm. but the, the, the chances that you're going to remember all the arguments are slim to none. Yeah. Uh, so unless you're doing greenfield projects all the time or whatever, you wouldn't probably want to have it on every single one of your apps, but it's super useful for when you're starting out fresh. Yeah, Absolutely. Definitely. Well, you know what, man? We are at like, what, 34 minutes? Mm. So Quits either we call it quits now. We've got one more thing to uh, talk about. What's that? Laravel Up and Running, the second edition. Oh, yes. Mm. Matt Stauffer announced yes, that the forgot. book, the second edition, is available in ebook format now. 
And the print book should ship sometime mid this month, April 2019. So you should definitely be able to get your copy in time for Laracon US if you're there to get Matt to sign for you. So even if you're a capable PHP developer and, and wanting to learn Laravel for the first time or a novice Laravel developer like myself and Jake uh, wanting to level up, or even if you're an experienced Laravel developer like Jeffrey or or Taylor or um, uh, or Adam, you can still pick up a few new tricks from this book. It's clear, it's concise, it will get you up and running and creating powerful and flexible apps in Laravel in no time. So as I said, this is the second edition of the book and it has been updated to cover the latest version of the framework at time of writing is 5.8 and we'll also cover 5.1 through 5.8 noting features that have been added since 5.1. The book is available to purchase on both Amazon and Apple Books and you can also pre-order a paperback version of the book on Amazon which according to them at the time of this recording will be released on the 3rd of May. Look, it's a great resource. I, I was able to help out with some of the technical editing of the first edition, I believe was it is it Wilbur or was Wilbur it Miguel? Powering. Yeah, so Wilbur has Wilbur been powering. a yeah. technical editor uh, with some other folks for the second edition to to help make sure that the information is correct, that all the examples run properly, and all that kind of stuff. So Matt's name is on the cover, but there's a lot of work that's gone in from a number of members in the community to to make this a a useful, a concise, a correct book. Um, and as I said, even for intermediate and advanced developers you will pick things up in this book i think samantha guides was was writing on twitter yeah. the other day that you know as someone who's been using laravel since version three i think you know there are still things in here that samantha picked up that are uh you know new 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 tips and things like that that you can take into your applications so um definitely check it out if if that's yeah. something that interests you um i would encourage you obviously if you're in a position to to buy a copy to to buy a copy and uh you know, the print one, if you're going to be at Laracon US, grab yourself a copy and uh, I'm sure Matt will be more than happy to sign a copy for you. Yeah. And if you haven't had the pleasure of learning things from Matt Stauffer, he used to be a rather prolific blogger, like with, with all the Laravel stuff. I'm not sure if he does as much of that anymore. And I think maybe because a lot of his time has been really been dumped into this, but mm. Matt is a teacher at heart. In fact, I think he actually studied to be a teacher at one point. I think I know that he was like English history major or something. I know that he was English major, but I don't know necessarily. That, yeah, yeah, teacher. He's a, he's a teacher at heart, though. He really is. Like he's that guy who will like if you don't understand something, he will take the time to explain it to you and mm-hmm. help you understand it until you have the aha moment. Like yeah. that is that guy. He's just he's that's who he is. And this book, he has poured lots of time and consideration into every page to make sure Mm -hmm. that this is extremely clear to both the novice and also valuable for the experienced developer. So yes, um, as Michael said, please, um, if you can, if at all possible, purchase this individually or ask your company if you can purchase it as a reference book for your team. This is, it's really, really, really good stuff. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Wilbur Powery, one of the technical editors, uh, we recently hired Wilbur onto our team. Nice. At Wilbur. That's a good get. Wilbur. Wilbur's That's Wilbur. the name. Wilbur's Wilbur. Yes. So he, Wilbur works for Wilbur. 
now, which is pretty awesome. Nice. Uh, he's awesome. He's an incredible developer. And I think some of it is due to, I mean, of course, like lots of hard work, but I don't think it hurt at all that he was one of the technical editors of this. He's mm-hmm. been pulling out some tricks recently. And I'm like, what? I yeah. did not you could know you could do that. Like, how did, oh, no. Like, and I'm like, I'm sure it's like, well, he's practically been reading documentation. So I tell people sometimes, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this guy we hired, he helped write the book yeah. on Laravel. I'm like, no way. <laughs> It's true. True story. I, so. I love just when you find that little nugget in the framework and there are so many of them buried in the framework because it's so big and comprehensive now. You just find yeah. that little nugget that just blows people away because they're like, I didn't know you could do that. So Yeah, it's really cool. And share those things on Twitter because they are useful to literally hundreds of people, maybe even thousands. Yeah. We need, we need, and then we need the reminders, right? We need the reminders yeah. of all the cool little things that are on there. Um, there was one recently where Taylor said, this was an undocumented feature and somebody pointed it out, which was essentially like if you have a job that gets queued and you have a serializes model trait on there, mm-hmm. um, what will happen is like if the trait or if the model can't be found for some reason when it de- unserializes it from the queue and goes to run it, there is a trait that you can add that just says delete the job if you can't find it. So like if it's a possible, like it's if it's almost like an expected possibility that the, it may be gone by the time that you go to do this thing. For example, maybe uh, you queue up emails or something to send uh-huh. and maybe the user has been deleted or deactivated since the email got queued up to go. You could just stop it. Just yep. don't, like, don't, don't throw me an exception. Just stop it. But it was like one of those things where it's, it's not, it wasn't documented anywhere and somebody brought it up and it's documented now, but those are all over the place. I feel like those are like we said at the beginning of the show with like, there was a, what, 26,000 PRs. Mm. There's going to be things that you don't know that have slipped in under the radar that you're not aware of. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Yep. One of those things that kind of slipped under the radar, Wilbur Power and myself were recently working on Nova and they have this partition metric, which kind of goes on the dashboard. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is like a, it's a, it's kind of like a little donut chart is what it is. But one of the things that you had to do is you had to assign labels to colors in order to get the colors associated. But sometimes you have like a dynamic query that you don't actually know all the labels that are going to come back. Mm -hmm. So you can't assign specific colors to them or override them. If you like, if you put like a custom theme on Nova, you couldn't do that. So recently we just uh, put together a PR that allows you to basically just pass in an arbitrary list of colors and it will just kind of cycle through them for for all the labels. So it was kind of cool. That was my first PR to Nova. And uh, David Hemphill generously pulled it in. So I'm now a tiny Nova contributor. There you go. Congratulations. There we go. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cool. Um, okay. So we could wrap this one or I thought what would be a little bit cool. I know you're, you're not yet. Like, yes, yes, yes. Let's wrap it. I'm going to just mention a couple posts here that I was looking through the community links that I found, I found very interesting. One is called working with null objects in Laravel. Null objects are a really powerful pattern. Adam Wathen has talked about them in previous talks of his, I believe at the second Louisville Laracon. He talked about null objects some. And uh, this dude who wrote about it, I, I forget his name, but I saw, I know it's Max. Max, yeah. I don't know his last name. I, I've seen his face a hundred times on Twitter. On I don't Twitter, remember his yeah. last name. Yeah, but anyway, he talks about this. And um, it's a really cool concept, this concept of, of null objects. But the really interesting thing is that Laravel actually ships with a sort of default that you can add on to mm-hmm. Eloquent, mm-hmm. Um, I believe, on uh, where you can provide models, yeah. a with default method on yeah. relationships, which is really, really cool. Uh, so this is a cool article. It's in the community links. So check that out. 
What was the other one here? A 5.8 automatically po- automatic policy resolution. I think we've talked about that before. Commit message driven development. Did you read that one, Andrew Feeney? Um, I think I saw this. He's a uh, he's a yeah. fellow Aussie. He is. He is indeed. Yeah, and so he talked about kind of like in. And he said he he wrote this after listening to Daniel Colborn and Caleb Porzio talk to David Hemphill on No Plans to Merge, where they talked about the whip philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so his his idea here was to instead of writing whip, basically determine what you want your next commit to be and write the commit message before you start code. Which I found was inter- it was it was interesting. So it's a it's a very kind of it's a cool think piece, and he mm-hmm. has some tools that he has around how he actually accomplishes that. So I thought that was a cool read. What else was there? Oh, there's one making Laravel Nova custom fields more developer friendly. Mm-hmm. That looked like an interesting read. I did not actually read it. Confession. I've just been scanning through these while we were talking. Uh, oh, Inertia JS. Did we talk about that at all? Mm, I don't know that we have. Okay, so that's another thing. That's another thing kind of going on right now. Jonathan Rennick has got Inertia JS, which is basically like it helps you build a Laravel backend with a view front end, a totally view front end, without having to go all API crazy. So that's another cool one too. There's one in here that I just saw, which with the impending release of Tailwind version 1.0, there is a, a project for handling shifting from your 0.7 version to 1.0. Really? So you can just include that as a composer dependency and then pass it your uh, tailwind.js. It'll fix the config. It will recursively go through your view, PHP, HTML files and update class names uh, to the 1.0 counterparts and things like that. I haven't used it, but definitely something worth checking out if you're in a position where you need to upgrade a pre-1.0 release of Tailwind. Heck yes, dude. We are literally doing this this week. Uh, and we were kind of holding off because it was one of those things where it's like, ah, I don't know, man. We like we have a couple places. We have a couple PRs that are still open. We don't know if we want to do this yet, but this is really nice. Very timely. Thank you. That's awesome. Okay. Well, hey, you know what? Why keep the people longer than they need to stay? It has been 45 minutes and I think we have sufficiently uh, ran this one down. So shut it down. Let's close it out. Thanks everyone for tuning into episode 81. If you liked the show, please feel free to rate us up in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Of course, you can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 81. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. Mr. Dorinda, it is always a pleasure. Until next time, my friend. Uru. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? It's goodbye. Goodbye. I started Aussie, and damn, I'm going to finish Aussie too.